We're free, free forever, we're free. That's a good word, isn't it? It's a good reminder. I love freedom. I love freedom. I love that God is a God of freedom. That's really why our church exists, is to see people set free, to walk in Jesus. I want to encourage you with that. So I just want to welcome our church one more time, as well as those who may be joining us online. Uh, you're, uh, we're honored that you're here with us and jumping into God's word with us. We're, we're now journeying into the fifth installment of this new series in the life of our church that we've titled New State of Mind. New State of Mind and how Jesus transforms our thinking. How when we, go, we grow into a relationship with God, we, we put our faith in Christ, we become this new creature with new features, this new identity that we have comes with a, a new mind and we become new. And that transforms the way that we think. A.W. Tozer has this quote. You're getting familiar with it. You can probably memorize and quote it. And it says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so I want to encourage us that, that the things that come into our minds are important and that God thinks about what you think about, that, that God is looking into the things that, that you're thinking and he transforms us in our thinking. Week number one, we talked about what it means to think new, how God calls us to not think old, not think past, but to think new, that Jesus transforms our thinking and day by day we can renew our minds through his spirit and through his word. Uh, shortly after that, we, we did a week number two where we talked about what it means to think kingdom. Think kingdom. Mark chapter one, verse 14 and 15, Jesus' first ever sermon that he preached said this, the gospel of the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom is here. Re re repent from your sin, change your thinking. The word repent means to change your thinking, for the kingdom is here, so think Kingdom. Think like we live in this kingdom and there's a king of the kingdom and in the king's name is Jesus. That's one of Jesus' titles, the king of kings. Capital K king of lowercase k kings. The week number three we talked about think gospel. Think gospel. I gave you this quote from C.J. Mahaney. It says that cross-centered life is made up of cross-centered days. To think gospel is to think about the cross often, to think about the blood of Jesus that cleanses away all of our sin, the resurrection of Jesus that defeated death. When death was arrested, right, and our life began, to think about those things, to think gospel. I gave you a resource, The Cross-Centered Life. This, this book right here is a little book, a transformative book. Last week, um, we, we didn't have them in the merch table like we needed to, and so we made sure that we have them this week there. And so I want to encourage you to stop by and grab a book, uh, $5 for this awesome book. If you, if you need a scholarship for the book, we'd love to bless you with it. Just show up and just say, I, I, I need that book. Um, and we'll, we'll be honored to give it to you. But I would encourage you to pick that up. Last week, we talked about think biblical. Think biblical. And how the word of God is true. The word of God is reliable. The word of God is historical. The word of God is true. And the word of God is for us to teach us, to correct us, to guide us to take us deeper into the life of God. How will you ever know God if you never listen to God? And God speaks through his word. We saw it in Deuteronomy chapter six, revealed for us in the law. It says, in these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And we talked about that. That means on your mind. Two million brain cells are found in the heart. For something to be on your heart means that it's on your mind. To think about the things that God has taught us. He says, you shall teach them 
diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, when you rise up. Think about the word. Think biblical. So the four are these that we've talked about so far. I think each one is important. That's why I love to just give a quick recap, right? To think new, to think kingdom, to think gospel, and to think biblical. And today on week number five, I want to give you a new thinking component that I hope would change and transform your thinking. And that simply is this think Praise. Think. Praise. What does that mean? What does it mean for you and I to think praise? I think this is a practical. I hope that all these have been practical. I hope that all of these can be applied to your daily living and to your daily mindset. And I always start with this first point. Do you guys know it by now? What's the first point of this new state of mind? Think Jesus, right? Here's how you're going to think praise. Think Jesus. To think praise is to think Jesus. I want to bring you back 2,000 years ago into a quick story that we find in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus reminds us that we should think praise. Luke chapter 19, verse 37 through 40. Let's check this out. As he, Jesus, was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice, for all the mighty works that they had seen. Verse 38, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees of the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I want to highlight that part right there. Jesus says, Rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Right? Jesus is highlighting praise, that the, the disciples got it right. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, saw Jesus, and what did they do? They began to rejoice. They began to praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. I don't know about you, but had you ever seen God do something in your life? Anything? Something praiseworthy, something worthy of a shout, something worthy of a proclamation, something worthy of an identification with God. Here's what he's saying. If that's true, then rejoice, brother, sister. Rejoice and praise God. And here, even do it with a loud voice. That might be awkward for some of you. But some of you may be around somebody who's singing this morning, who's praising. And that might make you feel uncomfortable, but maybe you don't know what God has done in their life. And because of what he's done in their life, they think praise, which I would say is the right way to think. The Pharisees got it wrong. The Pharisees in the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. What were they doing? They were just praising. Make sure you don't have a Pharisee mindset. The, the title isn't don't think, it, the title's not think Pharisee. It's think Praise. Let's, let's look at the next verse. Let's look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Which reminds me that Jesus doesn't just think praise, he expects praise. Amen? Right, like that Jesus is saying, two people clap, we all clap. Come on. It's house rule. That Jesus is saying here, Pharisees, you don't get it. Because even if the disciples were to 
be quiet, these rocks would cry out. Like, I'm, I'm tempted to think that the thunder last night might have been crying out, might have been praising God, might have just been saying, God, you're so good. God, you're so big. God, you're so mighty. I can't contain this thunder. Boom. God is good. Jesus says, look, Pharisees, you got to understand something. Think praise. Think, think about God. When you think about God, that should lead you to think praise. Now, maybe it's not singing. Maybe it's amening. Maybe it's hallelujahing. <laughs> That's a word. <laughs> think praise. Think praise. There's going to be thousands and thousands of people that are going to gather into football arenas today thinking praise. Score a touchdown, yeah, praise. But there's a higher praise. There's an even higher praise. I'm not devaluing praise of a sports team. There's, there's nothing wrong with that unless that's getting, that gets more praise than him. And in a lot of us, I know for 18 years of my life, the sport got more praise than the Savior, than my God. And my God is worthy. Your God is worthy of all Praise, thinking Jesus, yeah, yeah, amen. Thinking Jesus, thinking Jesus is to think praise because Jesus not only thought praise, he expected praise. And no stone is going to cry out over me, amen? Don't let the stones beat Walk Church out this morning, right? Don't let the birds in the air beat out our church. I pray that the birds are like, yo, that church is worshiping today. Like, we better step our chirp game up, you know? I'm going to talk about think praise. I want to think, talk about think praise. I'm going to give you three points, three points today um, on what it looks like to think praise. Okay, the first point is this. Think praise on the brightest day. Think praise on the brightest day. It's important to think, why well, I still laughing at my bird joke. <laughs> think praise on the brightest day. Let's look at Luke chapter 17. Let's look at Luke chapter 17. We're going to read this entire passage. We're going to read a lot of Bible, okay, because we're thinking biblical, we're thinking kingdom, we're thinking gospel, we're thinking new, and we're thinking praise. Just check this out. This is a story. And, and for me, I'm a, I'm a picture book guy. Like, I'm the type of guy that I like to look at the pictures in the book. Is anybody else a vivid, like a visual thinker like that? Right? And so when I read the Bible, I have to go there. Like, I can't just read it. I have to jump into it and say, wow, there's Jesus, and this is the story. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. He's passing between this Gentile city, non-Jewish people, non-believers, and he's passing by Galilee, hometown. As he entered a village... He was met by 10 lepers, 10 people that came down with the critical disease of leprosy. This, in this culture, could have been very similar to uh, a stage four cancer. This would be a, a, a version of AIDS in this day. You had to stay 20 feet away from anybody who had leprosy. Jesus ran into a whole group of them because they couldn't be around the society. They could hang out together. They couldn't infect each other. They were all lepers. They stood at a distance because that's the cultural norm. 
The law forbade anybody to get near someone who had leprosy. If you got close to a person, you could be unclean. If you touched a person, you could get it. They stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. I believe when you praise God, you get his attention. Like Jesus is walking along. They could have stayed quiet and missed their miracle. But in their moment of praise, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They presented their request. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Interesting statement from Jesus. He calls them to action. Take a step. As they went, they were cleansed. There's a whole lot of application here, right? When Jesus speaks, do it and see what happens, right? Jesus says, hey, okay, you want something to happen in your life. Take a step first. They weren't cleansed in the moment. They were cleansed as they went. That, that before God is going to do something in your life, maybe first you need to go. You need to follow in his leadership and then watch what he does. He says, go, show yourselves to the priest. In order for a person who had leprosy to be ceremonial cleansed, which means to be able to go back into culture, to go back into the city, to go back to church again, to go back into the temple and praise God again, you had to have a priest check you out and make sure that you were clean. Because if the priest gave you the stamp, the priest was the most clean person in the city. If the priest said you were clean, you were really clean. So Jesus says, I'm not trying to... Uh, uh, to what does he say? Um, take away the law. I've come to fulfill the law. So he's abiding by the law here. He's saying, look, I'm going to heal you and do a miracle. Go show the priest and let's see what happens. Go and show yourself to the priest. As they went, they were cleansed. Praise God for the miraculous healing of Jesus. Then one of them, everybody say one, one. just one. When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face. Here's what he said. At Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. This wasn't even a Jewish man. And Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way, your faith has made you well. What I want to highlight in this passage is that this man got it. Like if we look at the, 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 just the previous verse, as we look at that, the text says that when he saw that he was healed, he said, you know what, I, I can't even go to the priest first. I got to go to the high priest first. Like I got to go to the, the priest of the priest first. The one who healed me I'm going to go find Jesus and tell him, thank you. I had leprosy. I was dying. I, I was dead in my sin. I was dead in the grave. Lost without hope with no place to begin. I was full of chains. I was wrapped up in my sin. And then Jesus healed me. He said, listen, i got to turn back. Like, he's on his way to the priest. And then he looked down at his hands. His hands would have been white as snow with diseases. His skin would have been all types of messed up. But what happens here is glorious. He recognizes on the way his hands were he being healed before his eyes. 
And he says, I'm going back. <laughs> I got to go find Jesus and I got to praise him. I got to praise him today. When he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God. I'll tell you what, when you're really in a spirit of praise, it's hard to do it without a loud voice. I'm just saying. I mean, here's two occasions where people that have been set free begin to praise God with a loud voice. Now, it doesn't, you don't have to, it's not the loudest voice has the best praise. God knows your heart. Actually, there were certain people that praised with a louder voice and wanted to have the best seat in the house to be praised. God's not interested in that. That's the wrong heart. Actually, I was reading in the Proverbs today, Proverbs 21, it says, a man is tested by his praise. If you get praised, can you turn it back into praise? Here's what we see here, that, that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. I'll tell you what, when he saw that he was healed, I'm convinced that this was the best day of his life. Just try to put yourself in those sandals. Probably didn't have shoes on, all right? Just try to put yourself in those sandals. And imagine having leprosy. I mean, it's, it's unfathomable. We, don't, we're not, we can't even identify with this type of disease. It's that bad. And to, to recognize that you were healed, that's the brightest day. It's the brightest day to turn back and praise God. Now, I would like to think that's the easiest way to praise God. To praise God on the brightest day. Now, Obviously, it's not because nine out of the ten never even found Jesus again. They took their blessing and left. It's kind of like when Jesus healed the, the lame man's legs in John chapter 5, and Jesus found him in the courtyard and said, hey, now sin no more. What was Jesus saying there? He's saying, like, I healed your legs. Now don't go back to the strip club tonight, <laughs> right? Like, I didn't heal you to send you back into the same life. I healed you. For holiness. I healed you to help you. I healed you so that you would think new. Right? Jesus said, whoa, 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 whoa. He got healed. He's like, yo, let me go right back to it. Jesus said, that's not the purpose of healing. The, the, the purpose of healing is holiness. Think new. Think praise. The, the man with leprosy got it. He came back on the brightest day and began to praise God. Let me give you the, the second point. So praise God on the brightest day, right? You guys all got that? When you get blessed, when you get healed, when you get a miracle in your life, I hope that you don't just take that on yourself. Don't just praise your boss. Don't just praise your spouse, but praise him. The highest praise. Praise Christ. Come up, up in, the, in the church and start praising. You don't go to charge group and start praising. I, it was awesome. I was Talking with my brother Austin at the sound booth today, he came up right for the first thing to me. He said, man, my thumb is being healed. And I said, yeah. And he said, praise God. And I said, yeah, I'm going to praise with you. Right? That's the right mentality to have, bro. That is the, God will honor that mentality. Praise God on the brightest day. Let me give you the second point. All right? Now, this is going to be a little tougher. We're going to go dig deeper. Are you ready? If you're ready, say ready. ready. Praise God on the darkest day. Praise God on the darkest day. Point number two. We get it. Of course he's going to praise God. God healed him of leprosy. What else is he going to do? He better praise God. Maybe you're thinking that. That's an easy one, Pastor. Let's go ahead and jump into this journey. What about praising God on the darkest day, at the midnight hour, when nobody's watching, or when everybody's watching? 
can you still praise God? Let me go ahead and take you into the jail cell right now of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 16. Now, before we read this, I want to go ahead and just give you some context. The Apostle Paul is with one of his disciples named Silas. Everybody say, what up, Silas? Right, so Paul is walking with Silas. Paul's doing ministry. Paul is a church-planting pastor, zealous man who had been saved and set free, and God gave him a heart for praise. Now, Paul's on the journey, and he's teaching. And all of a sudden, there's this young girl who was a slave to two different guys, and this young girl began to mock everything that Paul said. So Paul would say, praise God, and she would say, praise God. That's just how I read it, all right? And Paul would say, in the name of Jesus, and she would say, in the name of Jesus, right? And the text tells us, the text actually says this word for word, and Paul became greatly annoyed. And Paul became greatly annoyed, and he turned around and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ, and this mocking, divisive spirit that was controlling this girl left her. And, and so these guys were taking this girl, and they would bring her to different places, and she would do mocking and, and things like that, and they were starting this business with this girl, some, some biblical modern-day pimps in the Bible right here with this girl, right? Jesus isn't for that. The apostle Paul rebukes that, and now these two guys are angry because she's like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Like, I had chains, but he's a chain breaker, and I'm a new person, so I think new. I'm thinking biblical. I'm thinking kingdom. I'm thinking gospel. I'm thinking praise. I'm not going to follow you. I follow Christ. And the two guys got super, super upset, so you know what they did? They beat up Paul and Silas, and they dragged Paul and Silas into the council and said, these dudes are messing up my business. And because the gospel was offensive to culture, they threw Paul and Silas in prison. And now Paul and Silas just got beat up, and their feet have been placed in wooden stocks, and this is where we pick it up. Is everybody there? About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. This is amazing. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened. And everyone's bonds and were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. This is What? Supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But, 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 but Paul cried out with a loud voice. Here's what he said. Paul cried out with a loud voice. Actually, you know what? Before we go there, let, let me highlight a couple things because I don't want to move too, too quickly here. Um, I want to highlight si Silas really quick. This is important. Here's why. Because I want to highlight the audience in the room. Um, Silas is part of the audience. The prisoners that were listening were part of the audience. Uh, the jailer was part of the audience. And all these are important figures because I want to identify the point that our praise is contagious. Our praise impacts the people around us. We'll, we'll revisit that in a second. Let's keep reading. He, he began to cry with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. Paul's like, I'm still right here, bro. The jailer called for the lights, 
and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a word. Have anybody ever asked that question? Maybe you're asking that question today. Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, what must I do to be saved? Well, let me give you an answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Let's not make it more complicated than it needs to be. Put your confidence, your faith, your belief in Christ and you shall be saved. And they said, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he, he took them that same hour of the night and, and washed their wounds and, and he was and and he was baptized at once, and he and his family, then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now let's go ahead and just work through this just for a second. As we look back at these first couple verses in this Acts 16 passage. Did you guys just catch all that? Some people have been believing the lie that the Bible's boring. How? How do you like read that and think that this is boring? This is the most action-packed book I've ever read. This is full of all types of drama and wisdom and scary stuff and beatings and resurrections and all types of amazing things. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I love the King James version of this scripture. The King James says that Paul and Silas were, were singing praise songs to God. Paul and Silas were there. It's important for us to see this. Here's why. Because Paul had a decision to make. Here's what I want you to see. This is, this is a dark day. Would you guys say this is a dark day? I mean, I don't know about you, but whenever I do something for God, I'm expecting to be blessed because of it, not be thrown in prison because of it. <laughs> right? Like, like, Paul does the right thing here. He, he sets this young girl free. She was a slave to these two dudes. She's now a new creation. And Paul set her free. And because of it, he got beat up, feet in wooden stocks, thrown in prison. And so Paul now has this opportunity. We'll, we'll zero in on Paul, on the character of Paul. Let's just say that you're Paul. Or Paulina, all right, for the ladies in the room. You're, you're, you're Paul, okay? And, and, and you're there and you're in prison. And it's midnight. So I'm going to guess that Paul's tired, Paul's hungry, Paul's exhausted, and Paul's hurt. The brothers still, no one gave him bandages. No one gave him a couple Advils. He just got beat up bad they had to drag him into the council he's hurt he's tired he's exhausted he's hungry it's midnight like why aren't you like getting ready to go to sleep it's the midnight hour and I think that Paul has the option to either complain or praise doesn't he he has the option to either gossip or praise he has the option to either blame God or praise God. On the darkest hour, you're always faced with these two options. You can either praise or you can pretend. 
You can say, I'm, I am who I say I am. I'm a believer in Christ on my brightest day and my darkest day. And that doesn't change God. He's still worthy of praise. And so Paul, at the midnight hour in the prison cell, he had no idea that we would be preaching about this story thousands of years later. This is a, this is a legacy moment. It's in this moment that Paul says, here's what I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose praise. And I bet you what happened is that Silas was like, oh, I guess we're singing. <laughs> How great is our God? And all of a sudden, they started singing hymns to God. They started singing praise songs to God. They started singing the gospel. They didn't want to miss the moment. And so they got, he got, Paul got Silas's attention, and Silas joined him in singing. And then next thing we see is, and the prisoners were listening. You never know who's listening, right? So Paul got Silas's attention. Paul got the prisoner's attention. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. You know what that means? He got God's attention. If you want to get God's attention, I think that you go to him with a spirit of praise. A spirit of lifting my heart up to the Lord on my brightest day and in my darkest day. Paul changed the actual atmosphere of the place he was in. It don't matter if you're in a prison cell or a church. You can bring your prison cell into the church. But the minute you start praising, don't chains get broken? Doors get unlocked? Spiritual earthquakes start happening? I'm reading the same thing that you are here. The prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors swung open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. The song that we just sang is true. If you have chains, he's a chain breaker. Even people that weren't even believers were affected by their praise. Prisoners who had done real crimes and real things that put them in prison, all of a sudden, their chains are broken because of the praise of Paul and Silas. This is blowing my mind. So Paul, right, by his praise, got his disciples' attention. He got the prisoners' attention. He got God's attention. When the jailer woke up, the jailer was sleeping on the job. He got called out right there, right? Was, the jailer was dozing off. The guy said, I'm going to wake him up. The jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open. So he drew his sword out and would say, I'm dead. <laughs> this, this isn't funny to you guys? He basically, he's looking at all the prisoners who want to kill him. <laughs> Their doors are open. He's like, I'm just going to do this quick. <laughs> or maybe they're all gone. I don't know all that happened. We just know that the jailer had this moment where he thought about killing himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. Paul cried out with a loud voice. And Paul said, hey, don't harm yourself. We're all here. Paul's looking at this as an opportunity to witness. Paul wants to see the jailer saved. The jailer called for the lights. Turn on the lights! He rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What a praise word. What a praiseworthy question. And this is a foundational question 
that has an even more foundational answer. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your whole household. Your whole household, put your faith in Christ. Families, put your faith in Christ. That's why I love when fathers are baptizing their sons and, and whole families are coming to know Jesus because that's biblical. Lead your family to know Christ. Kids in the room, your parents don't know Christ, lead them to Christ. What must I do to be saved? Put your faith in Jesus. Some people have erroneously went on to attach things to the gospel or add to the gospel. Like, hey, be baptized and you'll be saved. It doesn't say that. Take communion and you'll be saved. How about get your life right and then you'll be saved. Put enough money in the box and you'll be saved. That's not what it says. Put your faith in Christ. Faith alone in Christ alone for his praise alone is what he's saying. And the jailer took his wisdom, and he said, let's go to my house. How crazy. This moment is blown. It's now 1 in the morning. Can you imagine the jailer going home? Hey, wife, wake up, wake up. Kids, wake up, wake up. What are you doing, Dad? Why are you home? It's a long story. But who are these guys? Quick, get him a shirt. Get him a Jesus Wind shirt. Put a shirt on him. Get Paul a shirt. Hook Paul up with one of your shirts. Paul, share the gospel with my kids and my wife. Hey, if y'all believe in the Lord, you'll be saved. Your dad got saved tonight in prison. He's the jailer. This is miraculous stuff. And the whole family, right, was baptized at once. Baptisms in the tubs. Come on, right? Like, turn the water on in the tub. It's 2 in the morning. People were getting baptized. He, he brought them up into his house and set food before them. Let's have a little early breakfast. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. God was trying to get the jailer's attention. He had to do an earthquake and send Paul in the, to get his attention. Praise in the darkest hour. Praising God when you got nothing left. Listen, his feet were in wooden stocks, but his hands were free. I'm going to lift my hands to the Lord. I'm going to lift my heart to the Lord. I'm going to lift my mouth to the Lord. I'm going to lift my eyes to the Lord. I'm going to lift everything that I have in me to the Lord because he's worthy of praise even in my darkest hour. As I was studying for this message, I, the Lord took me back to a moment in my own life. When I was a sophomore in college, I was playing college basketball at James Madison University, and between my freshman and sophomore year, there was a switch in my, in my story. Our coaching staff got fired in between that time, and I decided to stay, and there's this brand-new coaching staff that came in, and they did a really good job. They just had a different plan for me, where I once was one of the better players, played a lot of the game. Now I was just hoping to maybe even get in the game. And that, that made me bitter, that made me frustrated, and that made me angry. And about 10 games into the season... I remember playing a home game. We were playing against Seton Hall University, a Big East team at the home court of James Madison. And I remember the whole first half, I was ready to go. I was like, this is going to be my game. And I remember not getting in the whole first half. And so I became ang angry. I started complaining. I started telling everybody about how the coaches were wrong. I started complaining in my heart about the entire situation. I started blaming God. God, I'm living for you. Some other people aren't living for you, and they're doing it. But I'm the one that's staying faithful. 
And here I am on the bench. I started blaming God. Then the, the, the second half started. First 10 minutes go by. Didn't get in the game. It's a close game. It's a tie game. And I remember there was a timeout, and the Lord just crept into the huddle. I'm supposed to be listening, Dean. I am. But the Lord spoke to me in that moment. He said, you can either keep complaining or you can start praising. And in that moment, I recognized I got some Nikes on my feet. I'm playing Division I college basketball. My eyes work, my hands, my, I'm breathing. I'm here. People know my name. I have a family. I have a car. I'm going to school for free. And I'll tell you, I was sitting on the bench like this, and all of a sudden I just slowly start giving people high fives. Come on, let's get it, guys. What happened to you, bro? I don't know. I just started praising God for all that he'd done in my life. This is my honest testimony. There's seven minutes left in the game. We're at a timeout now. I remember like it was yesterday. The coach out of nowhere says, Hayden, you're going in. I'm like, oh, snap. I'm, I'm, I'm ice cold, but I'm praising. On the bench, I'm praising. There was one play that was designed for me. We never did it. He said, hey, I want to switch things up. I want to throw them off. I want to use this play for Hayden right here. So Hayden, I want you to go off the screen. I want you to come off. I want you to catch the ball and hit the three. I'm over here, you know, trying to get loosened up. I'm like, Lord, you got to do this right now. Came in the game right out of the timeout, ran the play perfectly, caught the ball, shot the shot, hit the three. Come on. And I was praising God. That was my only basket of the entire game. I came right out. <laughs> but I did my, I was praising God. I had this opportunity I'll tell you what, if you can choose praise, it'll change your perspective. It'll change people around you. It'll change your ideas. It'll change your workplace. You might hate your job, but you start praising, you'll start loving it. You might hate people, you start praising, you'll start loving them. You might hate everything, you might hate the food. You start praising God because you have food. And it'll change everything about you, it'll change the people around you. People might get set free because of your praise. It's contagious. It's affectious. So some of you might, you might be over here like this, and you might be thinking, man, I really want to sing, but what if the person next to me listens? You might set them free. They might, it's not that they're going to think you're, you're weird. It's not that they're going to think that you're not as cool. They're going to say, man, I can do it too. You don't have to lift your hands. You don't have to have a, a, a special anything. You just have to have authentic praise. Praise God in the darkest days. Praise God in the brightest days. And lastly, I want to say this. Praise God in the most ordinary of days. The days in between. We live in the in between, don't we? Sometimes you have dark, dark, dark days where you wind up in prison at midnight. <laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen all the time. But for some, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes every time, for some of you, every time you drive home, you feel like you go to a prison cell. For some of you, you may feel that way. Change your mindset to praise. Some of you, you have the brightest day where Jesus heals you of leprosy. Where Jesus heals you of leprosy. And you say, man, I'm going to go find Jesus. I'm going back to church. I'm going to praise but what about in between, in the ordinary? I want to encourage you in the ordinary day. Tomorrow on Monday, when you start your work week, when you start being 
the, the, the mom that you are and the same routine, the dad that you are, and you're, you're doing the routine, find moments to praise God in the ordinary. This is a biblical concept. Maybe today you'd be thinking, well, you only gave two New Testament passages. I just want to give you a quick run-through of the Old Testament to let you know that the subject and, and, and idea of thinking praise is thoroughly biblical. Let me go ahead and let's run through a few verses in the Bible. Genesis chapter 29, the first book in the Bible, 35. She conceived and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. He shall be called Judah. Praise Exodus, the next book, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God. I will praise him. My father's God. I will exalt him. Leviticus, the next book, 19, verse 24. In the fourth year, all its fruit shall be holy, an offering of praise to the Lord. First three books are talking about praise. Let's go on to the next passages, right? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 2. He is your praise. If you don't got anything to praise on the ordinary day, just praise God. He is your praise. You might not have anything practical to praise God for. Just praise God for God. Just because he's worthy of praise. He's your God who has done for you the great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. He says praise God for the great things and the terrifying things. Joshua chapter 7 verse 19 continued. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. Give praise to to him, 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 4, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I'm saved from my enemies, 2 Samuel 22, verse 50. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Shall we keep going? If you think so, say keep going. Keep going. All right, keep going. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 4, he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke to thank and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 22. When they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the man of Am. I'll tell you what, your praise might change the direction of your life. When they began to sing and praise, it got the Lord's attention. The Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, so that they were, re- they were routed. How about that? It was the praise of the people that rerouted the enemy. Did you catch that? The praise. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 46. Long ago, in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. Let's look at a a passage from the book of Ezra. Ezra, we see in in chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, The priests and their vestments came forward with trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals to praise the Lord. I I never understood churches that think that it's bad to use instruments. The priests and their vestments came forward with trumpets. Team, we need to get some trumpets. (laughs) Cymbals. We need to get some cymbals in this thing to praise the Lord according to the directions of David, King of Israel. They sang responsively. I want us to do that, church. I want us to sing responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord 
was laid. I'm not done. Let's keep going. Isaiah, I want to look at the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah says, sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Isaiah 42.10, sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. If you'll notice here at Walk Church, sometimes we sing old hymns. Sometimes we sing brand new songs. The Lord says, sing to me a new song. I want to hear a new song. Jeremiah 17, 14, heal me, O Lord. I shall be healed. Save me. I shall be saved. You are my praise. The book of Psalms, y'all don't want, we don't have enough time. 136 Psalms. Talk about praise. I'm not going to read them all. You can read them all, all right? Psalm chapter 100 is the only one I'll read, and I'm going to close with this. Worship team, you guys can make your way back up here. There's so much to talk about when it comes to praise. Let's read this all together. How about let's stand for the reading of the word. Let's stand. Let's read this together. Off the screen, read it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen? That's what it means what it means to think praise think praise put this next verse on the screen maybe you can take a picture of it if you want on the brightest day think praise on the darkest day think praise on the ordinary day think praise say it with me on the brightest day think praise on the darkest day think praise on the ordinary day think praise one more time on the brightest day think praise on the darkest day think praise On the ordinary day, think, pray.